Welcome one, welcome all, and welcome back to the 24th episode of the Transform Your Game podcast. My name is Richard, and I'll be at the helm here today as your host slash moderator. Alongside me are my two BEA beautiful co-hosts that are more than just me's the eye. Kent. Optimus, you can't die. And Kai. On behalf of the moon, I, sh- I will punish you. <laughs> and a big hey there from all members of our team, both past and present. Uh, this is our first episode on this now alternating week schedule of recording, and I have to say, one unforeseen benefit of the whole dropped official support thing is that I'm having to do a little bit less script writing. Who knew? Uh, regardless, boys, how are we feeling today, and how have y'all been engaging with the game, TFDCG, in a post watsy world? Okay, so for me, I am currently finally getting to play some uh, tournaments again. Um, My busy season was really crazy with the uh, businesses that I manage, and it's starting to wind down, uh, come to a close a little bit early because of COVID this year. Um, It was really rough there for a while, but now I'm getting some time. So I'm playing in the Eye of the Matrix tournament and where I have made top eight and the Octagon Freedom Tournament uh, number two, where I've also made top eight. I am playing a uh, new COG combo deck and I'm really, really excited about it. And I'll be doing a deck profile on both it and uh, a couple other decks here soon now that I finally am getting (laughs) a chance to breathe um, and not working all day, seven days a week. Well, you, Kai? Uh, for me, the main way I've been engaging with the game is actually through uh, Primus, because um, who knew <laughs> building uh, two different decks <laughs> for Sunday would actually take so much time. But uh, I still um, want to play this format. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's excited about it. We've got more views on that than anything else that we've ever done. Um, <laughs> I really, I really want to jump in on the next game. All right, yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But um, besides that, um, the Vector Sigma tournament wrapped up. I didn't get into the top uh, top cut for that, um, but I did get in top cut for the Freedom Cup two. Uh, the tar- deck profile for that has already been posted. The um, double double, double, uh, double. Fun, fun list that I was apparently playing wrong. Thanks, uh, Carl's Carl Endres. I think is his last name for uh, calling me on that. But um, yeah, it's it's a fun deck and. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much just the main way I've been engaging with the game besides the uh, main topic. Right, right, right. We'll get to that part. We'll get to that part. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of a similar vein to, to uh, Kai. I was in both the Freedom Cup 2 and the Vector Sigma Wave 5 tournament. Um, and But I, I flipped your results, Kai. I top-aided the Vector Sigma tournament. I actually lost my finals match tonight to, I kid you not, Fortress Maximus. Um, and uh, Fortress Max is no joke. Well, I mean, it like it certainly beat me. Um, and then for the Freedom Cup, I, I I was trying out a fun new deck, and I missed top cut, and that's what I get for trying out a fun new deck. Um, There's also the first iteration of an idea. I think I, I punted away my first round match, which is super super. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that like I agonize over because I do that kind of thing. I punish myself for making bad plays. Uh, for days and weeks afterwards, just how I, how I live through things. 
Um, but uh, Kai, believe it or not, one of our Primus mates was the person who uh, beat me in the finals of the, of the Vector Sigma tournament, Christian Young. And so he and I decided to sweeten the pot a little bit uh, since we were playing for the finals and we both play each other weekly on Sundays. So Christian will be picking uh, one of my decks uh, for this weekend. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I, I remember uh, hearing that. <laughs> battle cards and characters. And I am so unexcited to see. <laughs> I think, so my theory is, he asked me, he, after the off-air, he asked me the question, do you like combiners? So I think that he's going to give me all combiner teams without the enigmas. Ooh. Yeah. I don't, I sound I don't know about all that. <laughs> that sounds horrible, but I, I, that's what I'm anticipating happening. Um, anyway... Uh, so those are the kind of ways we've been engaging, except for there's one other way. Um, on the note of engaging with the game, Kai and I are actually both members of the recently assembled, assembled Players Committee. Uh, it's intended to be stewards of ongoing card creation and vetting in regard to competitive play, and especially within the Alpha Trion circuit of online tournaments. With the right to uh, reserved, obviously, to update that name later on if we get or decide on a better or more specific one, because Players Committee is, while fitting, um, a little bland, a little bland. Um, Kent here is also going to hopefully be one of the people playtesting with us to make sure our future cards aren't too busted and are also actually fun. I happen to know specifically... <laughs> Shockwave uh, strategy. Yeah. yeah. I, I, happen to, I happen to know specifically that we've reached out about the Shockwave strategy because two or three of the members in, um, in the players' community were like, hey, this looks like a combo deck enabler. Uh, you guys want to like throw this at some combo players, maybe like some Kent action, a little bit of Matthew Brower, see if they can break it for us. Um, so you know that's especially one of the outlets, or I guess one of the like resources that uh, uh, you know Kent is particularly going to be useful um, for as a, as a great player and a, and a solid combo guy. Um, uh, the players committee has recently been streaming live uh, both I mean, like live streams of playing and posting recordings of playing from our alpha testing sessions with some of the stuff from our first plane release which is a thus far nameless set composed of stratagems aimed at re-establishing metagame relevance for some of the older favorite characters in the community members respective collections a la wave one so uh, as we've been doing so the cards in their ongoing iterations you know the current wave, shockwave one uh, b has gone through several different ones um i think optimus prime has probably had the most iterations uh have been met with a lot of folks support and a lot of reticence from other people in the community uh, and in the spirit of establishing a common point for people working from within and people observing from outside i posted in the facebook group asking people to consolidate some of their questions and concerns in order that we might address some of them Hopefully, this isn't the last time we get to do something like this, too. I personally love our opportunities to engage with the community as a podcast, and this feels, to me, like a very appropriate outlet for what's on the table right now. Um, I want to say from the outset uh, that hesitance, confusion, and worry are a natural part of any transition for a player place like this. Um, I hope that we can illustrate here, if it hasn't already been effectively communicated, that the efforts put forth by the Players Committee are labels of love for a game we wish to keep alive. We as a group don't intend to squash anyone else's card design aspirations. As a matter of fact, Kai and I are literally playing a game of Primus multiplayer with a non-players committee member this Sunday who's been designing cards as a way to help unveil some of his stuff and showcase what kind of value there is in the effort of his design. Sweet. Also, yeah, right, right. I mentioned this earlier, I lost a bet to Christian Young. He's gonna get to pick, I hope, hopefully it's not in that game. Hopefully it's in the other game we play because we're trying to play two of these a week. Um, 
But that way, you know, he doesn't just have like one opponent who's a complete non-factor because Christian gives me some pile of garbage to play. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to the topic at hand. We're basically going to be marching through the questions and responses and proposals contained within, uh, you know, the comments on my post today. So let's dig in, shall we, fellas? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. First question. Uh, probably one of my favorite questions we got uh, comes from Austin Chandler, and I think it's the perfect place to start our discussion today. So his question is, is the Players Committee trying to emulate other committees for dead games like Star Wars CCG and Star Trek CCG? One has a store to help maintain them and do prize support tournaments. The other doesn't have a store, but does tournament and prize support. Is the Player Committee going to make a clear way for people who want to volunteer and help to be able to do so? Are there any plans to make uh, a site to unite everything together? Any plans to try and do future events at conventions like uh, Transformers Cons, like TF Con, or Gen Con, or other gaming conventions? I imagine where the you know the added subtext there. So for the uh, future events, um, we're, we would like to, but we're we're get we're waiting for that to actually be able to be a thing before we decide or try and figure out the logistics of that. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the uh, what type of committee we're trying to be, um, as far as I know, the the committee is like mainly aimed towards like the Vector Sigma uh, tournaments and um, their invitational and the whole uh, tournament circuit surrounding that. Um, I don't know exactly how well they are, uh, how well their local game store is uh, supporting that. I heard for the first event that um, their store was doing like boxes or prize support or something like that and i didn't hear much about it after that and i don't really know too much about that effort because i didn't really uh ask really so um and then for the site to keep everything together um yeah that's that's something that we're we never we haven't officially talked about but we know is going to have to be a thing and uh that'll probably be something we discuss uh in this upcoming weekend I'll, I'll say this, I think, and and I know I've mentioned this multiple times before, um, so I'll get past this as fast as I can, but Vampire the Eternal Struggle, going on 25 years, the game has died twice, been resurrected twice, had... Fitting for a vampire game, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know, which doesn't have near the IP of Transformers, um, not even close. Um, it's still going strong today, 5th edition is coming out in September, and there's tournaments... All, all over the world for it. I mean, it's it's still a very popular game. Um, from being a tournament organizer myself um, back in the day, um, I can tell you that putting together a tournament is pretty simple, um, especially at conventions. I mean, there's all those like free open tables out there and you say, hey, we're gonna use these free open gaming tables like these however many uh, you need, 16 or, or something like that, I don't know. Um, and we're gonna have our Transformers tournament at 1 p.m. on Saturday, entry fee is this, uh, here are the prizes, blah, 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 we'll cut to top eight, yada, 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 yada. Um, and honestly, you can uh, set up to stream these events. Um, and like community does this kind of stuff all the time like different card game communities, even if they still have official support. They're still doing, hey, we're gonna have a 
big tournament at our local card store and we're going to stream the whole thing. Or we're going to have a tournament in the corner of a convention and we're going to stream the whole thing. And I feel like as long as there's prize support, like real prize support, I think you're going to still get a lot of very competitive people that still invest in the game and study it and want to play it. If it's just a bunch of uh, tournaments with lackluster prize support, I think that's when games start to die um, because there's nothing at stake. Like, it's just there for a fun time. It's a casual thing. But when there's no stakes, then that there's nothing really to play for. Um, if that makes sense, when you can just go play Magic and, you know, have a potential to bust new packs open or win money or trips or or all that. Um, and it's not just Magic. I mean, uh, Force of Will obviously does that as well as some other card games um, like uh, Blood and Fury or I, I know that's wrong. I don't know what the second word in that in that I, I've heard of that game before. I just don't know which what the actual. It's not Blood and is. Truth. That's a VR game, but it's Blood a, and Blood and something. Anyways, yeah. that you can win uh, a lot of cool stuff by uh, playing that game. Um, very small community though, but um, yeah, I, I think that especially if you have uh, I, I I heard the word volunteer to help do so. Um, I think it's very, very viable when, and, and luckily the, the people on the committee and I know the Vector Sigma crowd have really been, you know, putting their, uh, their efforts and volunteering a lot of time into this. And I think that that's really critical for making the game survive. So kudos and shout outs to all of them for doing it and yeah just m making sure that they have highly publicized games with some stakes I, uh, I think is going to be huge and and then of course all the wonderful content that's coming out with new cards you have to have new cards but oh my gosh there's so many different groups making them <laughs> it, it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, everything pans out um i haven't i have not actually participated in any dead game before um, personally, so I don't have quite the experience that you do, Kent, with vampires or that Austin seems to have uh, in regard to Star Wars uh, or Star Trek CCGs. Um, but I can tell you with confidence right now that, that we, in, as it stands right now, do not intend to host a store. Um, tournaments are going on, but that's just an ongoing thing from like the previous circuit that's already in place underneath the Alpha Trion tier or the tournament tier. Uh, that's run through the Patreon for Victor Sigma. Um, the players committee itself is not intended to be a thing run for profit as it stands. Like that's not that's not the point. I mentioned earlier that it's supposed to be it, like it is a labor of love. It is a labor of, of trying to continue, perfect, and iterate on a game in a competitive metagame that we have loved so far. And that, you know, in all honesty, got support dropped far too soon for how successful it was being. Um, is the player playing going to make a way for people to volunteer? I think so, probably. Um, in regard to playtesting things, I think we've already kind of done that. Uh, just kind of like uh, given given people in the community uh, who have desired to help. Like uh, I think they're they're hosting a tournament with some of the the beta strats 
um, from our first release coming up here shortly. I think it's this weekend. Um, and that'll just be kind of like, you know, a dry run, a test run to see if there's anything that feels broken. Um, and, and that's going to be out to, you know, their external sources of information from people inside the community or their playtesting teams, right? Like you, Kent, or for example, I think like Stefan is really, really closely playtesting with some of the Vector Sigma guys, stuff like that. Just to interrupt and like there's so many different things that you can do like several this is over a decade ago but you know the magic expansion legends mm-hmm. um oh, I pers- way over a decade ago yeah that's way way <laughs> way over a decade ago but over a decade ago at a convention um i just heard about this and it was a very expensive thing to do but someone had a box of legends and it was very expensive entry fee but we drafted legends and i mean like imagine doing that you know four years from now with like a couple boxes of titan masters attack or siege 2 or wave 1 or or something like that i mean there's i mean i'm sitting on tons of boxes (laughs) of product at this point um and i'm sure other people are too and i think the the game will get to a stage where the community gets really really close and tight-knit and they come up with creative ways to make things really fun and still have like high stakes at the same time yeah well there's actually like a lot of ways to play the game right like there's the standard constructed way with no rotation that's currently going on there's the all commons version the junkie on um there's like the block for for siege that i think was a tournament that vector sigma was going to host originally uh there is you know like um, there is the multiplayer way that we talked about Primus several times now. Uh, that's a, that's a quite a few ways to play with a game that is less than two, you know, not, I guess that it was not quite two years old, right? Because October was the original release. Is that correct? It was August. August was early September. Yeah, August, early, early September early. was the okay, first okay. time I could actually get product. But Gotcha. Well, I didn't join until December because I was a late adopter, apparently. But, um... Uh, yeah, a- any plans to try and do future events and conventions like TFCons? That was one of the things we addressed in our first get-together, was that that was something long-term we were going to shoot for. That we're going to try to extend the tournament circuit that's currently in place so that it was able to take uh, you know, take shape in a way in paper events too. Um, that's one of the reasons why like, we talked about the idea of making sets once we're there on release available as free PDFs to anybody who wants to download and use them. Um, that's, like the whole, that's like the whole point, the big MO. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I think hopefully that that addressed kind of the concerns part forth in that one. Um, yeah, the uh, the Transformer cons, like this is something, and I'm sorry to like spend so much time on this one question, but that is something that I think was a real missed opportunity um, Big time. for this totally game. Agree. Because, I mean, I, I've been to more than one bot con and oh my gosh, the everybody is just so excited there about anything Transformers. And it would just fit in so perfect. And there's so many people that are at that con that never even heard of this game. And that would love it because they're all geeks. They all know magic. And they're like, oh, it's magic with Transformers. Oh, my God. My head just exploded. I mean, like, that's literally what I thought. So um, a huge missed opportunity there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I I really hope that... Yeah, we have some stuff like that at Transformer conventions and then at big gaming conventions too, even if it's, you know, just all the spare tables um, and we just do it on our own. Um, Love those ideas. Moving on to question number two, second we got, 
Um, this one's from Peter Lawson, who, if my memory serves, uh, was actually my first round opponent at EI on a sick, sick Metroplex deck. Um, uh, but he asked, if Wave 5 Decepticon characters, I think he's referencing, like Titan Masters, Sky Shadow, were released into a fighting game or as an online shooter's soldier class, they'd have been nerfed by now. We are constantly talking about bringing previous Wave characters up to Wave 5 standard, but why aren't we nerfing Wave 5 Decepticon characters to be more comparable to the previous Waves? Kent, would you like to start us off on this? Yeah, yeah, this is something that we've been talking about internally for a long time, and I actually feel that, uh, like, how do I say this? Because I don't want to be abrasive or anything. But I feel like all these player committees, because there's several going on at once and they're all making new cards, I honestly feel that the first thing that should have happened is we need to balance the Wave 5 meta first and then create new cards because the Wave 5 meta is so out of balance. It is not good. And again, this is all something that we've uh, talked about internally. And one thing that Richard had brought up long time ago uh, when we first uh, got the news about stratagems is having stratagems that are a penalty and you must play with it. Like Horrible, Quake, Sky Shadow. I mean, they are completely overpowered to everything. So what is the answer? Are we making a stratagem for every character in the game that boosts their health? And, and some of their other stats? Or could we maybe, I don't know, give them a negative strat that kind of nerfs them in a way? Like, hey, maybe Quake, uh, maybe his, every time he does a Quake trigger, it also hits him too, because that's ridiculous that it doesn't uh, <laughs> when he's wearing Grax um, or any health head for that matter. My goodness. Um, or whenever one of, the characters on your team dies and the quake trigger happens, then he also takes a damage because it was someone that was on your team. Um, like that's real easy to see. And th- things like, like horrible, there's no way in heck that he should have the stats that he does. There's no way. And then be able to to move a counter off of him too, off of himself too. I mean, if I had a negative stratagem for him, it would just remove that ability. And let's just try that first. Because him going like Camion Crash, Fusion Bore, and now I'm going to transform and move a uh, counter off. I mean, like, that is so much direct damage just for playing the game. Five. It, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And the damage he just took by doing that, he gets to move it off to one of your characters no that is not right sky shadow enough of this three damage to autobots i mean for 15 stars you get four characters four characters that all do ridiculous stuff and uh, i mean like think about uh jetfire jetfire is 16 stars and isn't near as good he's certainly not four characters i mean so so that's If you're going to have, and I'm really, really, really big, and and I know I keep harping on this, but about like, hey, they ban press the advantage because it took half the characters out of the game. Cool. Well, Sky Shadow has pressed the advantage every single game that you play against it. And if you're playing Autobots, good luck. 
Like, it's it sucks. It takes half the characters basically out of the game. And Magnetic Dysfunction Ray, uh, Ray too. Like, oh, Mag Ray, oh, you have a team full of Autobots? Ha 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 ha. Yeah, you're so skilled. Wow, that took a lot of skill. That card needs to be nerfed or banned. Um, and Sky Shadow, the, the whole three damage to Autobots... No way, you're already getting four characters. He needs to cost way more stars than 15 if it's going to be like that. Um, and yeah, uh, again, are, are we giving every character in the game a health boost and a defense boost to compete with those three characters? It just seems a little backwards. Well, yeah. as... Oh, go ahead, Richard. No, 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 you first, Kai. I broke the order, that's on me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an unspoken order, but... um. Uh, so... As someone who's been in the meetings and whatnot, um, that kind of has been the case where we have been bumping the health up and the um, stats, uh, as well as giving them abilities like lowering direct damage or um, being able to live longer or some, some something like that. But um, I think even if you just hit those types of characters, there's still problems such as, um, I don't think this is that big of a problem, but um, like orange black is a thing and then you have to worry about that and then if you somehow deal with that then all of a sudden blue is too strong and then you have to deal with that it's just like all these cascading effects and one of the things that we are trying to do with the strategies is we're trying to not alter the original text of the card too much like the stats we can alter pretty easily because um we'll just have like a little thing at the bottom of the strategy that has like that looks like upgrade where it's like plus two health or plus one defense or something like that and if the if we have to change that much of the ability of that character that's already been printed and we have to change it to where it's something else we just feel like that's just better just save that uh, ability for it, a new character down the line so we're just trying to make that character still have the same identity but more playable if that makes sense like um mm-hmm. uh one of the ones i think i can say is the uh sludge one specifically uh if a diamond bot would take uh direct damage this turn it heals one or something like that yeah and yeah that, yeah so it's like it's things like that where you we're trying to compensate by trying to still keep the original text but adding more flavor or more lore or just some way that this team because we're trying to keep it uh team base and not just have it like oh sled so can just go into any deck and then direct damage is gone poof we're not trying to do it like that we're trying to keep it in the team and um yeah, trying to incentivize more viable team options instead of just horrible Perceptor, Sky Shadow, Quake things. That's the MO that we're trying to aim for with this uh, first set. That's cool. And I, I do like the fact that you guys are considering stratagems that do not cost a star. Like some stratagems probably shouldn't because <laughs> the a lot of the old characters are fine. They're already... Mu- maybe too many stars if they're trying to catch up to the current top tier of titan masters so i mean yeah, I, i'm definitely in favor of stratagems that don't cost a star unless they need to i mean if they need to yeah sure yeah look at the jazz stratagem that i that put out the original iteration cost zero stars and it took you know three games of playing with that for someone to go Mm-mm, that costs a star what that does <laughs> yeah yeah and then also need to nerf and then it <laughs> did and it, we did that and it's still totally reasonable and i think it's in a place where, like we're pretty happy about it. i think it's one of the ones going to get played in that like beta tournament coming up kent i'm going to address your zero star one 
after I hit this actual question first. Sure. Um, because I want I want to hit on that point. I think it's important we cover it. So the the question from Peter is first off a great question, a really really interesting thing to think about because power creep is something that if you're going to be a steward of a game, a designer, a company, a host, whatever you whatever you call it. Um, you have to be, be mindful of power creep. You absolutely have to. And trust me, there have been, you know, stern discussions about we can't just do this because it can be problematic down the line if we ever if we ever do end up banning XYZ card or nerfing XYZ card. Like those have been discussions we've been having internally as well. So um, it's not that we're trying to come up with solutions that are not problematic outside of the current state of things, right? Um, but like, I'd be lying if we said that, <laughs> you know, that we weren't trying to account for what is really good in the, in the game right now. I think the sledge stratagem is a great example of this because, um, it is good, it is incredible against Quake, but it's only okay against Sky Shadow. Like, it's not really, it's not really great, especially because it only lasts while sludge is out. Um, so like, it turns off like Magray and the pings from Horrible don't really do anything, um, until you kill, until you KO a sludge, at which point then all your stuff is just turned back on plus it's not like it heals equal to the damage dealt it's just one so like if you deal him three with the sky shadow trigger he just takes two instead net um unless you you ko him before the trigger actually happens in which case the repair isn't won't, won't actually resolve um so if we're talking about why bring characters up i think one of the things we need to look at is the fact that like this this release our first release is aimed at wave one and in wave one there were already characters who were way overstarred, right? Yep. Megatron Living Weapon is not a 13 star character. <laughs> no. Read him. Read the card, right? Like the 13 star, like he's considerably worse than Nemesis Prime for an extra star. That's yep. that's that's not arguable. It just is true, right? So um if we're looking at like where thing where like the precedent for things is being set i think literally like wave one jazz jazz was literally invalidated because they printed a new pip color like yeah. the character was just rendered unplayable because incidentally none of his things could trigger at six stars right so like those kind of characters we believe both need to be addressed in terms of just like treatment so that they are playable. They're not just like rotting in people's collections. Um, on top of the fact that like we can use things that people already have to address problems that are present in the current metagame. I think that the wave five metagame can be balanced in a number of ways. I think that a lot of it is going to be um, nickeling and diming the metagame is in terms like what is the what are like the problematic play patterns the overabundance of orange orange and black dual pipped cards the absolute proliferation of non-attack damage uh the strength of decepticons and the borderline unplayability of autobots i think that these are all things that we're going to have to nudge in several different spots so as to more carefully monitor the power dynamic that exists um, now, Kent, you mentioned specifically zero-star stratagems. I think, and that you enjoy the zero-star stratagems. Zero-star stratagems are something that many people in the community are up in arms about. Not many, but there's there are like people who there a, a, there is a a vocal, dedicated contingent who are who are up in arms about the idea of including zero-star stratagems. Something I've termed internally strict upgrade stratagems. Um, so I think that. When you look at these cards, I think the zero-star stratagems are a direct response to the point I just made about 
wave one characters that many of them particularly the ones that we were talking about now were overstarred from the start yeah because the the designers were still getting a hold of what the what the power love power curve of the game was supposed to look like right i think anybody who looks at wave one and sees flame war and then sees jazz goes well those cards those cards are not the same power level one is no. a common right like i i, I the, the, it was just it wasn't flat the power level was far far from flat and what we're looking to do is we're looking to flatten the power level um, of the game overall by upping the power level of some of the underappreciated or or out of fallen out of favor characters from wave one um i think that nerfing uh, nerfing some of the decepticons from wave five is definitely something that we could possibly explore i think probably the best solution to, to the problematic play patterns in the, in the game right now is to ban health heads so that we don't get the prop like the multiplicative bonus that comes from them but that doesn't answer the problem of sky shadow so it wouldn't be a wholesale issue um but rest assured that these are discussions we're also having and these are things that are informing some of the decisions that we're making design wise in regard to these stratagems peter Great question, thank you for asking it. Moving on, question three, because we're not making good time. <laughs> um, so I've, I've uh, paired two questions from the post together here, because they have a lot of overlap. Uh, the first from Michael Jundy and the second from Michael Wadsworth, um, who I believe people call Wads. I could be wrong about that, but great, great nickname regardless. Number one uh, is, it feels like an unbalanced wheel, referencing the Wave 5 metagame. Tough Blue beats Orange Aggro. Orange Aggro beats Midrange. Bold Pierce beats Tough Blue. Uh, what beats Bold Pierce? Then there's variations on those themes that are matchup specific. Who or what is balancing the wheel? And number two from Wadsworth, I'm curious to know what you all think would be the best method to balance off the current metagame. It's very orange-black, and while I have my own ideas, I'm eager to hear what approaches you all are thinking about doing. So for the first question, Orange is supposed to beat uh, Orange-Black. Like, that's... Because there's no way for you as an orange back player to do as much damage as an orange player. So that's supposed to be the wheel of orange beats orange black, black beats blue, blue is supposed to be orange, uh, circle of life. Um, but the second one, um, I think some of the things that we have to do is we have to up the um, counters for Pierce because um, what is point defense system? Like that. <laughs> That was fine for the Wave 3 metagame, and then it just became not enough immediately the next wave, and then clearly not enough for this wave. So yeah. um, uh, it's, I think they were a little too conservative because they wanted black to be a color, which granted, it, people, a lot of people didn't see that as a color until the end of uh, Wave 4 and or Titan Masters attack. I mean, but it's not its own color. It's riding the pigtails of orange. Yep. Yes. That, that is also a contingency point for um, why it can be perceived as a problem because because with the Burgos Bold uh, deck, it's you're, you're taking seven pure seven and then it feels like you can't really do anything about it unless you have the t stable cover and then stable cover just blocks one thing. So it's like, or in hostilities, but um, yeah, it's, it's things like that that we need to up the counters for Pierce to where it is more not like overpowered because I wouldn't say Pierce is overpowered currently. I think I think it is. It could be curved a little better, and that's probably the way we would have to go about it. At least uh, that's how I'm thinking about it. How many times have you accidentally attacked for Pierce five in this metagame? <laughs> yes. Is I it a lot? Of, I, can, I can think of a real good star for that called Ominous. <laughs> yeah. 
I think I've accidentally attacked for like Pierce five in this game, like in wave five, probably in the in like the two hundreds of times, or been mm. like, oh, I guess uh, Pierce five, and like, oh, well, I blocked four, but I'll take five damage. Yeah, and like, yeah, yep. well, it looks like you built your deck like an idiot with blue pips in it, um, and, and and like you just stumble into it. The existence of Fusion Bore. I talked so early about the fact that Fusion Bore was in every deck that I built in Wave Five. <laughs> yeah, you and did. And I did not know that that was going to hold true for five more months. I didn't know it was going to be a true statement for the foreseeable future of the game. You know. Um, but it's just so it's so easy. It's so good. The opportunity cost is so low, right? Um, I think that so in regard to Kai, you answered it well. So straight orange is supposed to be orange black, but the existence of so many low opportunity cost inclusions in the orange black archetype basically means that you're flattening your matchup percentage when you're playing the plethora of orange black cards, or even like the straight orange decks aren't playing just orange cards; they're playing orange black cards. Well, because one, because Magray is just absolutely horrendous uh, play pattern was like it's so good on right how could you not play it um, and then horrible making your orange black cards just do double duty basically on both halves when you flip them in, when you play them it's just absolutely incredible um, I think that the the idea of black as a color is uh, is, a, is a good thing to think about in the game but here's the problem is if you're, ten you're intending it to be a main color of the game if the three main combat colors are black blue and orange then it's understandable from wave one that they have not printed an orange blue card with the exception of master metallicado that isn't a star since wave one those are main combat pips they have printed so many orange black cards there are two orange blue cards there are there there are two blue blue cards there are two orange orange cards there are like four blue black cards and there's like 59 orange black cards i'm exaggerating <laughs> i'm exaggerating but the numbers like feels 20. like it. the numbers like 20 and like 12 of them are totally playable right combat dagger is bad but you could play it if you needed to and i i, I want to say I, I think that probably one of the easiest answers to this is just to is to just to follow what Kai was talking about. Give more recourse to Pierce. I talked. I bemoaned the fact that Point Defense System didn't have an armor on it or a green pip for like so long. And part of that is someone who is as someone who did play it in their deck at EI. I literally had Point Defense System in my support because uh, I, I was worried about that kind of thing. Um, Anyway, I, I think that like what you're looking for is I think you need lower opportunity cost recourse to that kind of thing. I think you need to, or, or at least you need to include cards that create adverse incentives for playing dual pipped cards like orange black in your deck. I, I you know, one of the one of the cards I designed in just like my free time before I knew the game was going to drop official support, like said for every orange pip you know that a player flips during battle, the attacker loses one pierce. Like that feels like a very, very fine way to create a different incentive for including orange black cards into your deck. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a low opportunity cost. It doesn't take up a lot of text. It's pretty elegant. Um, it seems it seems like it, it transforms the, the apparent dynamic of the most dominant archetype deck wise. Um, I think that that's like those are the, probably the ways I'm thinking about it most.
Um, I also wouldn't hate to have a couple of heads that are specifically hosers. Yep. I think that one of the problems with Acid Storm and Warpath is that I think they, I think those cards are fine, but I think that like they would have been better as like, Titan Master heads. As crazy as that sounds, but like a four-star head that just says no bold. That I'd play that. That'd be fine. <laughs> That'd be really good. Hey, yeah. e even even as a five-star head. I right, mean, but like... I just I think that like the Titan Master mechanic. If you're if you're just if you're not just doing the keyword big, right? The more attack, more defense, more health. If you're not just affecting a stat, I think that there was a lot of design space there in that mechanic, and we just didn't get it. I think the closest we got was maybe safeguard, and I think everyone here knows that safeguard might as well be blank text. That and it wasn't even originally intended to be in the set, so. <laughs> yeah. Truth. Truth. Um, I think I've probably, you know, rambled, ranted on for long enough. Can, uh, Kent, do you have anything to add I, here? Yeah, I do have, like, I, I might alter what you're saying about the heads just a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. maybe you have a um, three or four star head that is, like, your opponent's pierce is reduced by three. You know, so, so, something like that, where it's not just a strict out hoser. I'm a big fan of cards that like yeah it kind of hoses you but it doesn't like completely destroy your deck because I have one card like yeah. that shouldn't exist like you know hey I'm playing a combo deck in these uh, tournaments and people are like gears plus sabotage I guess your whole deck is done it shouldn't be like that like granted I mean, you're, you're mostly doing what you're doing to get PTT or Daring Escape banned, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> that, the, the deck's too strong, yes, by, by far. COG is the best SRT in the game. It is. At this point, it just is. Um, but, well, another time for that. Anyways, I don't know. I feel, I feel like when you're playing against combo, like, orange and, and even orange-black should have to race them. And blue should be like have to make them go off balance and slow them down until blue can eventually whittle down all their bots. Um, but but right now it's like you just have this. Here's a one card answer that like completes that completely hoses you. I win. Haha. <laughs> lot of skill there. Um, so I'm not. I, I'm not the biggest fan of like Acid Storm or Warpath or or anything that just says. No, your your entire deck, your whole strategy was uh, flip a lot of orange and try and run me down. Too bad. Good luck. You know, now Acid Storm was a not. It doesn't have stats to like actually warrant sideboard play. Um, but I believe it, it is but, a two ten zero. If memory <laughs> yeah, it, it, the the main thing is is he just can't attack. He can't attack for anything yeah. significant. Two attackers. Um, yeah, two attack and like. Yeah, it's it's just not it's just not enough, but yeah, I I think just a card that says "Hey, game over for you." I'm not the biggest fan of that. Um, I know you're not. You hate yeah. belligerence. Belligerence is the same thing in a different way. Yep, it's principally the same thing with different text, right? It's a card that does not it, it does not ask a lot of you. It just says, "Why well, I, I really just kind of don't want my opponent to do stuff." 
So I'm gonna hope I draw this, and if I do, that's just game, right? So. Yeah, and I really don't like that either. When your cards in your battle deck are just like, I flip it and I win. And uh, that that's another reason why I think Peace Through Tyranny needs to go um, for a lot of reasons. I should probably do an article <laughs> just on that. But I mean, like one of the things that happened today, I'm in like game three with my combo deck and it's like, well, uh, fighting the clock here because the combo deck does take a while to play. So I'm going to uh, confidence and confidence. Oh, look, Peace Through Tyranny, I win. Like it shouldn't be like that. That's not a game. I, I'm all in favor of daring escape and combo decks, but the way that this one runs right now, uh, it just it just shouldn't be like that. And at the same time, there shouldn't be a, a hoser for any type of deck that just says stop what you're doing and I win. I think we hit that one. <laughs> uh, shall we move on to question four? Yep. Okay. So. Following up with those ideas, um, Cameron at Tashami, whose name I, I'm so sorry, Cameron, I know that I butcher your last name every time you come up, you have a question on here. Um, but he brings up the following point, which I want to uh, state here. He actually is a member of the players committee, uh, but I believe what he's doing here is echoing and uh, like summarizing points that he's read elsewhere in response to our spoilers and comments as a group for the players committee. Um, so he says, there's been a lot of discussion about ways to improve the current metagame. I think we just had some of that. Uh, what's y'all's opinions on new characters' mechanics versus bringing old characters in line to the current power level in TMA as a as a first setup? So, not not the same question as Peter. More like the idea of like is, if we're talking about proactive uh, repair or advancing of the metagame. What do you guys think about the idea about those two ideas opposed? Yeah, I, I am in favor of it, and I I do think that within uh, you know a a given time. I do believe that the people on the uh, players' committees and the other groups that are making cards, I do think that in time, everything will even out and level out if that's the end goal, and it absolutely should be. Um, I also think that there's so many, there are so many mechanics that were never fully explored in this game, and mm -hmm. so many new mechanics that could be implemented that we've never seen before, and... Uh, like I say, I truly believe there's a lot of creative people that want to make cards for this game. And I think we're going to see a lot of really interesting things um, that bring a lot of new life into the game, as well as like combat things that are, you know, possibly a little bit out of control <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, the, uh, again, the current meta is definitely my least favorite since the game started. Um, but I do think that it will get sorted out. I did just get thrashed by Fort Max in the finals of a tournament. Dude, Fort Max, no joke. Kai, what about you? Um, so, for in terms of new characters and mechanics, it's, I just feel like since that's basically our first foray into basically card design like there's only one other member of the players committee who has had legitimate uh card design not not talking about you richard i'm talking about dan I and that was friends. yeah yeah and he's the only one who's had like actual like design experience and um for the rest of us i, I just don't know if just trying to do new characters and new mechanics and stuff especially since we're trying to balance it for a competitive game i don't know if that's good enough whereas we could just take 
a character that was already printed, you know and love them, and then you can just add a new ability onto them or upgrade their stats a little with a new ability and just get our feet wet, basically. That's been the phrase I've been using, um, basically. But um, yeah, it's, it's things like that just to like, oh, this was too good. Oh, this was not good enough. Or, oh, this is fine, but we could do a little more to buff it here. Oh no, that was too much. And then bring it back and we can we can get our feet wet in learning how to iterate iterate on design uh, philosophies and concepts that we can then put on to make fun custom characters and or battle cards that's that's just how i feel that we should be doing it and not that the other groups are doing it wrong by doing new characters that's that's also good that's it's it's, it's the it's, hype, uh, it's excitement yeah it's diversity so yeah that that Bruticus stuff has me really excited <laughs> Uh, I haven't seen it, I, um, but um, so I, I know this, right? So like, new characters are gonna happen. It's not like the, the players committee is not like adverse to creating new characters. We want to make sure that when we do it, we're gonna do it right. And I think that what Kai is, what Kai said beautifully, by the way, Kai, is that what we're trying to do is we are trying to become comfortable and sure and confident in our goals for our. Our, our you know, proposed stewardship of the game, particularly the competitive metagame, right? We want to know what we're aiming for. And I think right now, in the midst of all this, especially because there is a, a lack of, of concerted, consistent experience with design from us as it stands, that what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure we get it right. And I think we're using guide rails to help us at the beginning here. We want to make sure that uh, people don't look at the cards that we're putting out here and saying those are either, you know, those are zero tens, right? Those are not worth it or way busted. And I think the, the problem when you have an experience, an experience and I, I would, I would, you know, um, I would advise the other people trying to design cards to make sh like do their best to avoid this as well, is that having a split of cards that is zero ten is not a way to maintain excitement for people. Because once they play with the tens, they don't want to play with anything else in the set. Yep. And you want to give people options. The whole point of this of a game like this is to give people customizability, to give them, uh, to present them with puzzles. And if there's puzzles that lead into future puzzles, that's the best way to continue engagement, to provide people with the most fun. Like um, I know, as a compulsive deck builder, that's the like when metagames become boiled down, I lose interest because playing games is fun for me, but not as fun as building decks is. <laughs> uh, I just built, like our, we, our Google Drive is evidence of the fact that like I, I can't go 55 minutes without putting something up in there. Like, like I, extra I, padding? I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, although you can't put extra padding in any deck right now. Um, no, you can't. But, so I wanna say this, we're gonna make new characters. Probably even sooner than I personally would want to want to be releasing new characters, um, just because I want like to make sure that everybody on the team is familiar, ready, doing that kind of thing. Um, but I also understand that like the hype of new characters is so hard to avoid. Like it's 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 contagious, you know. Spoiler season is for many people like Christmas, but it comes multiple times a year normally, right? Yeah. Um. So. We're not that that part that isn't lost on us. We're not trying to be secretive. Um, we're going to make new characters. It's just going to be a matter of time, and we're going to make sure we do it right when we do it. And that's what that's our goal. Um, so right now we're trying to answer the metagame with what tools we, we kind of already have, and seeing we can't 
you know, sharpen them, hone them a little bit. Okay, question five, because uh, actually we're making better time than I thought we were going to make. Um, so, next up, uh, and from a fellow Primus hooligan, an all-around good dude, Jimpty the Jimpty asks uh, the one-two punch question of, how difficult has it been to bring the Wave 1 characters up to par given how strong we've learned the Titan Master mechanic alone is? Bonus points for, for specific bits, because he's fishing for information, obviously. And he also asked, is there a specific aspect that seems most crucial to the designs, like a specific stat or augmenting abilities? So health has definitely been um, one of the main ones, because even back then, back in Wave 1, some characters just did not have enough health. Like uh, Demolisher, he probably could have had like one or two more health, but what we're doing, what we're, or um, what's his name, Dip Dark Mount? That's, that's the one that's like the most oh. like target target he needs more health like even back then so yeah <laughs> it's so things like that we're already having to do before even taking into consideration the titan master mechanic but um with the titan master mechanic itself we've had to had to um get creative i guess with uh, the way we've in order to attempt to bring an ability onto the same power level as the titan master mechanic there was one point where uh, Battlefield Legend had Heroic Resolve, and that didn't prove to be enough. So he had Heroic Resolve with three health, and even that didn't prove to be enough. So it was like, if we go any further, that's just ridiculously ridiculous. So we, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's really difficult to explain because the Titan Master mechanic is just so powerful with how customizable it is and how um, efficient the stats can be on those characters. So mm. yeah, it's. It's, it's definitely been a pain, for sure. <laughs> Kent, have you, uh, have you, have you, uh, of what you've seen from this, from the stuff we've shown so far, is there anything that, like, really jumps out to you as you've been like, oh, that's a really interesting way to tackle the problem of what is wrong with this character, what's lacking in this character? Um, the, the Shockwave one, I, I've heard people talk about that, um, for probably about a year oh, if Decepticon Shockwave could just target. And every time I hear that, <laughs> target with his ability, I'm like, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, because now he's he's going to be busted. Uh, but, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of health, uh, but this strat does give him more health. So, okay. yeah, uh, stuff like that. Uh, again, I just feel like the four pillars, you know, Perceptor, Quake... Uh, horrible and sky shadow I, I just feel like it would be so much easier to just nerf those four characters than to try and bring everybody else up in the game because even the other wave five characters suck compared to those four i mean right. what, we're, we're not trying to bring every character up in the game up there yeah we're trying to bring a select few sure our, our first release is planned to be eight to twelve stratagems so, someone they will have eight to twelve uh, like character slash teams. We're attempting to buff to the what I would call like the tier one point seven five point. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it just feels like there's so many cool characters like uh, you know Sergeant Cup, Wrecker Leader from Wave Five, or e even Wolfwire has so many stars on him compared to the four pillars. And I mean, they're, they're cards that have like cool and neat abilities and it like doesn't matter because you can't play them. And that's, 
that's the biggest like gripe for me. And uh, back to one of the previous questions, if this was a video game or a, a fighting game, a shooter game, whatever, they would have nerfed these characters and made it balance out. Um, but right now it's just so tilted. And I think trying to buff like even a even the select few i'm not sure if that's gonna really answer the problem or as much as it's just creating this you know artificial power creep to to, to try and catch up to this like roadrunner it's the coyote trying to catch the roadrunner you know and maybe the roadrunner just needs a stop sign or a slow down well, um, I, I would, I, I, you know, I, um, I'm excited to hopefully prove you wrong. I really uh, am. Well, I, think I, I mean, I, I will say, thing, I, I think that you are not the only person that has that concern. Um, I will or say, like has I, that opinion, I, I'm very excited by some of the stuff that I've seen, like Dark Mount. Oh, thank you. I've been, I feel like that card had legs before, but his health was just so terrible, you know. And uh, the the Optimus one. I mean, I've been I played a lot of Battlefield Legend in Wave One and Two, and it just feels like the card's been forgotten ever since. And I, I love that card. I love the the art, <laughs> the pose, and and I've really been wanting to br- uh, bring that card out of the binder again. And that That's that really made me excited. For. That's one of the things we're shooting for because um, a lot of those printings from the first wave are kind of the iconic mentions of certain characters in people's minds. And so being able to give the iconic characters relevance again as far as the actual game goes uh, feels like a great way to kind of like give the give the community a pat on the back, right? Like this thing you love, like it's good or it's as, it's as, it's as good as it can be. Um, so I think that to address the actual question itself as opposed to your response there, Kent, um, I think that bringing the wave characters up to par has been an interesting challenge. Um, in game design, oftentimes the principle that restriction breed, breeds creativity is, uh, you know, it's highly touted. It's one of the things that people use. Um, I think that health is, is definitely the, the marquee point. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> the oftentimes the abilities are functioning to serve as, or they, they're serving as effective health, right? Heroic Resolve is a thing that serves as effective health. Defensive Driving serves as effective health. Hollow Matter Projector serves as effective health. Those cards aren't directly buffing your HP stat. What they are doing is they're limiting the number of ways that your actual HP stat can be touched, right? And so I think that coming up with ways that feel native to the character in the spirit of their original design and that preserve or, and that escalate at least on this one axis, which was an axis, by the way, that health started to climb in wave three, not but not in not in wave five. Health started to climb in wave three, so um, that's when we really start to see it start to you know get to leaps and bounds, right? We see a seven-star character with 13 health in wave four, right? Like, um, and I think that uh, if you keep those things in mind. I think that you're going to see that there are a lot of pretty elegant solutions to a lot of what's going on. I think that there are ways to combat specific problems in the metagame, and uh, we're doing it in ways that are narrow intentionally so that they are not problematic down the line. Um, There's been a lot of discussion amongst ourselves to make sure that we're not creating problems, we are solving them. So, Awesome. um, um, All right, so... 
Question six. Last question for um, the actual like serious stuff. And pro- honestly, probably one of the more important things for us to cover in this suggestion. Another one from Michael Jundy, who has commented uh, several times on the last couple times I've posted, by the way. Um, shout out to him. So we need, he says, we need a friendly front-facing website to drive people who are interested in the game towards it. Not just a fan site, one that lays out an intro to the game, basic and advanced rules, and FAQs. It probably also needs a compiling of active and continue to be active web links. That's where the new card designs need to be found as well and housed. Has anything like this been discussed? And so what operations are in the process to get it set up and running? I'm going to go ahead and answer this one first, if you guys don't mind. Go for it. I know typically the order is in me, but... Um, so, has this been specifically discussed? No, not yet. But Kai mentioned this earlier to a similar uh, kind of like toss-in question inclusion. Is that this is something that we all know needs to be done. We all know this is the kind of thing that needs to be done. Um, what we're doing right now is making sure that we can hammer out a process for actual design before we start hosting designs. Because otherwise, what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up for the scaffolding that's going to fail people's expectations here. So one of the things we need to do is we need to understand, we need to have like dedicated time and people and effort that goes into this kind of thing. So no process is presently is presently running, but the ideas, the inklings, and the beginnings of something like this are something that we have an eye on. I can promise you that. Cool. I really uh, love this idea. Um, I, I agree. I think it's something that we all know needs to be done. Um, some kind of central site with videos of, hey, welcome to transform your game, and here's, you know, how to take your first turn, and here's what an action does, and an upgrade does, and here's how to attack, and very short, bite-sized little videos, and yeah, because some of the videos that were on the uh, Transformers site were really bad. It's like, I'm Optimus Prime, and I'm going to attack you for three or whatever. And it was really cheesy and didn't explain the game very well either. I mean, I get what they were going for, but I just think that we could probably do better. And yeah, and then like links to all different places, you know, Computron's lab um, for you know seeing all the spoilers or whatnot from the past sets or something like that. And one thing that uh, Vampire's done and uh, many other games that are uh, still going on and or canceled do that have fan generated official unofficial cards is they have a database where you can just search anything. And something like that I think is important as well. And then, Here's how to get connected into your local scene. Here's the Dallas Facebook group. Here's the Seattle Facebook group. Um, Because they're not always just called that um, when you search for them. True. Um, Yeah. I mean, sometimes they're called Galvatron's, you know, hive mind or whatever. Shockwave's laboratory. And it's like the Atlanta group or something like that. but here's how to get connected. Here's where our next event is. It's gonna be at this convention and blah, blah, blah. Um, at this time, you can you know pay now uh, for entry. Here's the prizes, yada, yada. Um, something like that that is central would be fantastic. Well, we already have something that is, the closest thing we have to this basically is uh, Henry Yandel, he has 
done um i don't remember what his site is called i think it's freelance something but he basically has keeping maybe it might be that but there will be links in the description for if you are interested in that but they are basically articles that are aimed at beginners to explain aspects like um i think one of his most useful ones is how quake triggers work and yeah things like that where not only do you get um helpful information but he also presents it really well well informed great guy the best uh but and then he also has what was that he's awesome yeah yeah he's 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 a really cool dude and then he also has uh links to like all the faqs like you can look up a card and then he'll show up every single time it popped up in the faq like if you want to know something about soldier's blaster click it click the link click soldier's blaster there you go you know you know what the faq said he he has something like that already up and running and i think once we get to that point to where that's going to be something that we do have to work for i'm pretty sure henry's going to be a real big part of that so if you want to check out the beginnings of it at least check out the description below that was that's awesome man okay so i think that was we've had okay first of all i just don't i think i interrupted myself like five or six times but uh, we've had a bunch of pretty serious questions to address in our main segment today. So this week's uh, more fun question, as far as the viewer question, comes to us from a friend of the cast and fellow Texan, Nick Stone, who asks, Which Beast Wars character would each of you like to see made for the game? And I'd like to add, I would, not him, um, since the topic today was card creation, what general archetype would you want to design that character like or as? So I'm going to give this to Kai first. Oh no! Uh, so, so the only character I know for sure is like Optimus Primal and um, Megatron. And at one point, Megatron's a T Rex, but then he becomes uh, a dragon. Yeah, a dragon. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think it's called Doragon because that's the third party figure's name. That looks really sweet, by the way. But um, yeah, Dor- the dragon. Adam, well, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> oh man, he stole my answer. Oh, answer. What, what would you, what would you have him do? Oh man, uh, I have no idea. I I couldn't even tell you a lore reason for why because I I only know him as a dragon, so I could <laughs> I can't answer you there, unfortunately. Well, well, if if you come up with something while the rest of us are talking, we'll come back to you at the end. Sure, sure. All right, Kent, what about you? I think I know your answer already, but yeah, what do you think my answer is? I think it's gonna be Scorponok or Waspinator. No, 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 no. Because the the Scorponok in uh, Beast Wars is really lame. Uh, the Scorponok from G one is completely amazing. Um, and Waspinator, yeah, we got to see him at some point. But actually, my favorite character from Beast Wars season two, towards the end, is Rampage. He is a Predacon, and he is uh, actually. Yeah, he's a he's a crab tank um, and just gigantic. He's almost like not quite a titan, but yeah, he's crazy. He actually so Starscream has an indestructible spark. That's why he had a ghost. All this kind of stuff, and they actually tried uh, doing experiments on it um, when the Maximals and Predacons were on Cybertron. They're the descendants of the Autobots and Decepticons. Um, so they trapped it, they did some experiments on it, and then they tried to make uh, an amazing warrior using part of Starscream's mutant spark. And that is Rampage. And Rampage 
could not be controlled, was completely treacherous. And since they couldn't kill him, like they couldn't extinguish his spark, what they did is they sealed him in a box and then they were told to like drop him off on a planet that was completely desolate. And like this dude, basically that didn't happen. And this dude shows up and he feeds on fear. Is that fear you're feeling, Maximum? Yes. My spark, it feeds on terror. Let it grow. Let it consume your circuitry. Feel it. Yes, feel it. Feel the fear. And that's what makes him, like, so powerful. Um, So I I think I would make him, because he's huge, and because he can take out so many guys just by himself, I think I would make him a one-character thing. and Hmm. Like, 25 stars or, you know, 23 or something like that. Yeah, 23, I like it, with a spotlight. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, with with a spotlight or, or something crazy, you know, for a few star cards. And just make your opponent like scared to play anything scared to attack scared to you know play an upgrade scared to play an action like you got to come at him sometime but every time you do like he retaliates something like that would be really interesting but yeah um i I believe the episode is called bad spark you can probably find it on youtube but you want to talk about like maybe one of the most badass characters in transformers history Rampage from Beast Wars, Season 2. Well, my original answer, also, following Kent up on these lore questions, like, what a what a nightmare every time. Because you know so much more than we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, my original answer was obviously going to be Megatron. Anyone who has listened to this podcast before knows that I would have picked any kind of Megatron. And I, my, the archetype would have been playable. He would have been a playable Megatron. That's what I would have wanted. Um, but because Kai said Megatron already... I went and pulled up a list of Beast Wars characters, and I think that my the one I would choose is Cheetor. And the reason I would choose that is, one, because his name is, like many of the Beast Wars characters, just so lazy. His name is so lazy, and I love it. Like, I, I want to lean into it. And so I actually think that one of the coolest things that is, uh, I guess, one, one thing to be cool is I would love for there to be a character who is a character about speed, that makes it so if they're on your team, you go first. Oh, neat. And I think that a cheetah, a, che- a cheetor, who has a cheetah in alt mode, uh, I think that that would be a really, really good home for something like that. So that's what I would do. I would explore with something like that. Follow-up question for you, Richard. Okay, I'm listening. Which version of cheetor? The normal one? The Transmetal 2? I'm sorry, the Transmetal or the Transmetal 2? Or the direct sequel to Beast Wars, Beast Machines, which I'm actually watching through again right now, gets a bad rep. That show holds up better than you think. Yeah, I'm enjoying it way more now that I'm older. Um, or Beast Machines Cheetor. Uh, so there's been four. Which which version of Cheetor would you like? Oof. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know the difference between them. The answer is Transmetal One. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which would you like? It. There's only one. There's only one answer. So in that case, I'm going to pick Transmetal Two to spite Kent. Oh, not that, not that. I will say <laughs> Beast Machines. He's a he's a badass in Beast Machines. Uh, but 
<laughs> That's a, dude, this is why I love you, man. Uh. <laughs> oh man, Kai, did you have did you have any idea, any any spark of inspiration? Pun intended. Um, does he transform? Like, does he when he become when he becomes from the T Rex to the dragon? Is there like some transformation scene or something, or is that like how uh, Megatron turns into Galvatron? So what happens is Megatron. Um, all right. Oh man, I'm gonna try to make this quick. But for Optimus <laughs> Primal, yeah, I never do. Quick for me is like, anyways. It, <laughs> um, so Optimus Primal, they find the old Ark, okay, and the Autobots are all deactivated because they all went back to the past. And they, for in season one, they didn't even know they were on Earth. They didn't even know they were on the right planet back in the past. Uh, season two, they kind of figure it out. Into season two, they find the Ark with all the deactivated Autobots and Decepticons. Um, and Megatron goes in, the new Megatron, the namesake Megatron for Beast Wars, goes in and shoots Optimus, is the original, who is deactivated, blows his head off. Um, and it creates this like time loop and all this like crazy stuff starts happening. Uh, but before the Maximals are like evaporated, um, Optimus Primal takes in the spark of the original Optimus Prime uh, for safekeeping so it doesn't extinguish. And that mutates him into Optimal Optimus, okay? So he becomes a complete badass. And Megatron is like, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. So he goes in and gets the uh, original Megatron spark. Like, he, he gets kind of carried away with some of the power and he ends up uh, getting thrown into lava as he's mutating, and that's what turns him into a red dragon. Mm. Well, so Kai, I, I was not expecting that. a time loop to uh, <laughs> come from that question, <laughs> but uh, I guess I, I guess it'd probably be a revenge mechanic type of deal. Yes. Ooh, ooh. No, I'm, I'm going to let you finish. I'm sorry. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> I was going to say, what if it's a revent? What if it's a triple changer? Kind of, but it's this. So the front half is the alt and the bot mode to the T Rex, and then you can only go to the back mode on revenge trigger. So on the revenge trigger, he would come back as the dragon. Yeah, that would that would be really cool. Okay, let me interject. All Transmetal One and Transmetal Two characters, maybe not all of them, but most of them have. Are, they are all triple changers already. Like, so they have a beast mode. They have a sort of beast sort of vehicle mode that never quite looks right. Um, and then they have their bot mode. So we're just going to ignore that one that doesn't look right then. Yes. <laughs> I am in complete favor of that because they <laughs> really sucked. They really sucked. Dino Copter. Anyway. Um, I think that we'll we'll go ahead and, and, and you know move move to the outro then, um, since we've talked for a good long while here. That will bring us to the close of episode twenty-four of the Transforming Game Podcast. Huge, huge shout-outs going out to you, the listeners out there in the ether, wherever you guys are, for giving us the purpose to come and cover all this type of information. The support from Watsi isn't here, but the game sure ain't dead. All our teammates at Transform Your Game greatly appreciate you guys out there. You can find our other episodes and more down the line on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. There will be certainly, uh, I'm sorry, there certainly will be some links in the description to help you out. Find us if you need to. If you found the input and information here on the cast valuable, you can find more strategy, analysis, turn reports, and more like it at transformyourgame.net. 
We look forward to being back to speak to all y'all in two weeks from now. But until that time, clear eyes, flip bots, can't lose.